morning, everyone. How are you today? What a lovely crowd today. My goodness. One of the disadvantages of me being down front looking this way is that I don't get to see the crowd as it assembles during the music time. <clears throat> when I saw you this morning, I was pleasantly surprised to see such a beautiful crowd this morning. Amen. It's just good to be back in the Lord's house today. It truly is. Thank you so much for allowing Donna and I to sneak away for a few days last week. We did the what we like to call the round-the-world sibling tour. <clears throat> Our family is all spread out all over the place. And uh, you kind of have to make an effort to stay connected. You know, thank God for Facebook and FaceTime and all of that. Uh, but sometimes you just feel like you need to get there and put your hands on them and hug their necks. And so that's what we did. We left out Friday and went to Clarksville, Tennessee to see her siblings. And then we went to Nashville to see my middle sister. And then we went out to Roanoke, Virginia to see my older sister, which she would not like to be called anyway. <clears throat> but it's truth. I speak the truth in love. And then we headed back home. And so... Um, it was very good to see them all. I, I pray that you'll continue to pray for all of them. They all seem to be dealing with something, and uh, that's really the reason that we felt like we needed to take this trip and, and go visit with them. So thank you for allowing us to do that. I never had any doubt about you being able to make it without me and without Donna. Pastor John always does a wonderful job in the pulpit and the musicians I mean, they don't need us. They can just hit it and go and just lead in worship, and they do a terrific job. So thank you for allowing us to do that. I'm very excited over the next few weeks and what's going to begin to unfold as part of the vision for the next few years as we labor together. In February, we're going to be experiencing and, and uh, having what we're calling I Love My Church Month. And we're going to be doing some different things to try to get you engaged in ministry. <clears throat> I'm thankful that you sit on our pews every week and that you come and you worship with us. But I want you to be engaged in what God is doing among us as well and what he wants to use us to do in our community over the next few years. And so we're going to be uh, un unveiling some things that will be a little different approach to ministry. Uh, we're believing that God has uh, unlocked some doors for us that we intend to walk through. And we're going to need each and every one of you to do that. And for us to be able to accomplish all that God has for us, we need all of us to be on board. And I know that you will because I know you're excited about what God wants to do through us. And uh, so I just invite you to make every effort that you can to be here during the month of February as we begin to talk about some of these things. Now, one of the things that I want to just roll out to you very quickly that you're going to hear about very, very soon is financially. And I want you to be praying about these things. I want you to start seeking God as to how he might be able to use you. But one of the things that we're going to do is uh, we want to pay down our mortgage significantly over the next five years. As most of you who've been around here for a long time know, 
We've carried, uh, when we started our church, we carried about a million dollars worth of debt that kind of came our way as we uh, took on these properties. And, uh, you know, we're not ashamed of that or afraid of that. Uh, God's been good to us. He's given us a wonderful location where literally thousands of cars go by our church every day of the week. We're located in a prime location. We've made good progress. We've come from a million dollars to about $600,000. And so we're whittling away. But we want to take chunks now. And so we're going to ask you to help us. Our goal and our vision is to add an additional $2,000 each month to be paid directly to the principal of our mortgage we're going to show you how you can help us to accomplish that. And you have my word that every dime that you give towards this debt reduction will go immediately to the principal of our mortgage. And we're praying that by the time that we get through this next five-year period of time, that we will have paid it from $600,000 to $350,000 by doing that. At that time, our mortgage will come due and we're going to have to renegotiate and realign. And I believe that one of two things is going to happen. We're either going to be able to renegotiate at a lower rate, which will take a lot of pressure off of our church. Or I believe that God's going to send some miracle money our way. And when we get to that point, somebody's going to step up and say, you know, I just feel in my heart that God wants me to give a significant gift to help liquidate this debt. You say, Pastor, are you trying to put pressure on us? Not at all. The only thing that we are obligated to do according to Scripture is to pay our tithe. And we do that. Amen. You do that so beautifully. Our special gifts and giving is something that we pray about. And we ask God how we can do that. And we can, how we can best facilitate that. And if God speaks to our hearts and we are in agreement with what God is saying, He will use us to do miracles. And I won't be at all surprised if in five years from now we will be able to have a note-burning service because we've worked hard to work down our mortgage and God has sent people who will give miracle money into this church so that we can be free of it and then we will have no obligations to debt whatsoever we have no other debt other than that mortgage and so I believe we can get it done how many of you are in agreement with me you believe we can get that done with God's help I believe that we can get it done and then we're going to do a fun thing just for just for the fun of it as you know we have been uh, supporting our orphanage that is located temporarily in Spain right now these are Ukrainian refugees that are safely being kept in Spain. Their ultimate goal is to get home to the Ukraine. We should be praying that this needless war will end in Jesus' name. So that we'll open the doors for them to return home. But secondly, we need to support them, clothe them, feed them, all of that kind of thing while they are in Spain in safekeeping. You're doing a wonderful job. We've got about $3,000 <clears> right now set aside to go ahead and send and release to them 
in addition to what you gave when Dr. Brinson was here and brought this project. So you're doing a wonderful job, but I just want to do something that's fun. I gave you a mug a few weeks ago. If you gave anything to this project, you should have a little black mug that has the Ukraine logo on the side of it. And I've done a little research and discovered that you can put 200 quarters in one of those cups. I already have over 100 quarters in mine. And so I just came up with this little thing, quarters for the borders. <laughs> and we're going to start a contest between the men of the church and the women of the church to see who can produce the most quarters that will be given to this project in Ukraine. And we're going to go all the way till Easter Sunday morning, and we're going to ask everybody to bring your quarters for the borders in your cup. And we're going to pour them out on a scale, if I can get my hands out on, on it, and we're going to see if the guys can get more quarters than the gals. And we're going to have some kind of crazy reward. You remember doing stuff like that in children's church? So let's just be kids. What do you say? Just for fun. And everything that we raise in quarters, we will go to that project. Now, if I understand right, if my math is right, 200 quarters is 50 bucks. So if you can do that, maybe a family project, we can make this happen and we can get money onto the field where these kids are in need. Aren't you glad God is using us? Amen. And aren't you glad that it can be fun when we serve the Lord? Praise the Lord. So many good things happening around here. One of those things is I see some faces I haven't seen in a long time. I see you today, and I don't want to start calling names. You know who you are, because if I do that, I'll forget somebody, and then I'll be in big trouble, and I'll feel bad all day long. But if you're here this morning and you haven't been here in a while, I'm so thankful to see you and so glad to see you you have made my day by being here. And don't leave today without coming up, shaking my hand, hugging my neck, and saying, Pastor, I was one of the ones you were talking about. I hadn't been here in a while, but I'm glad to be here today. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to take them and turn to Numbers chapter 13. And uh, <clears throat> I am very pleased to be able to preach the very first sermon from this brand spanking new lectern podium pulpit that we have sitting up here on the platform today. An individual gave us the money and, and uh, paid for this. It didn't cost us anything. This is the first real pulpit that I have preached from since I've been your pastor. You may not know this, but the thing that we were using as a pulpit that looked fairly nice was a converted coffee table that we bought at TJ Maxx, I think it was. <clears throat> and we converted it, turned it from sideways to upright, put a top on it, and we've been all these years preaching from a coffee table, and you didn't know that. <clears throat> But this is a real honest-to-goodness pulpit, and I can put junk inside of it. I've got water in here. I'm going to have some Kleenex in here. i got all kinds of things I can do with this, and I'm just so thankful. And to the individual who 
provided the funds for it. Thank you so much. You've known my heart, and uh, I appreciate your willingness to do that. So now, it doesn't ensure that the sermons will be any better, <clears throat> but I'm going to give it my best shot, and I'm going to preach a message that I've had on my heart now for several weeks. Uh, two weeks ago, I started a, a series of messages called A Better Me in 23. I don't know about you, but I want God to help me be better than I've ever been before. Uh, I, I, I'm at a place in my life where there are some things that I just have no patience for whatsoever. And one of those things is living under <clears throat> the blessings that God has, not achieving all that God has for me. And one of the reasons that we fall short of the glory of God is we allow fear to grasp a hold of our thinking and our mind. It all starts right here. How many of you know that? We can be as victorious as we decide that we want to be, even in the face of circumstances, we can overcome. We can see a victory. So two weeks ago, we started talking about this idea of fear. Now this morning, I want us to talk about, again, this idea of fear plus faith equals freedom. And today is going to be a transitional message in that we're going to continue to talk about fear, but we're going to move closer and closer to replacing fear with faith. Now, if you'll remember two weeks ago, I talked to you about this idea of fear and how that it can mean different things in Scripture. For one thing, it can mean terror. It can mean that there are things in life that just simply terrorize us. In the sense that it grabs our attention and we can't seem to get our mind off of it. It seems to drive our every thought every day of our lives. We're thinking about this idea of what bad thing is going to happen and how is the enemy going to come against me. And we spend so much time thinking about those things that we've lived we live terrorized lives. Now that may not be true of all of you, but I know people that every day of their life, it's a new sense of what bad thing is going to happen to me. And I want you to know that God does not want you to live that way in 23. He never wants you to live that way, but it's time for you to break the hold over that terror in your life. Let me remind you that Scripture teaches us that God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. But doesn't Scripture say in Proverbs that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom? It absolutely does say that. But not the terror of the Lord, not the fear in the, in the sense that I'm anxious about what God's going to do to me if I don't straighten up. But rather it can be a respect for the things of God or a reverence to who He is. You see, there's a way for us to interpret fear that can be a positive thing. And when you transition out of an unhealthy fear into a healthy fear, then it begins to build faith in your being. 
And so I want us to talk about that today. This is a very familiar passage of Scripture found in Numbers chapter 13. You've read it, no doubt, many times through the years. I've selected to read from the Christian Standard Bible today because it's very clear what is being said here. So read along with me, either on your devices or in your Bible or on the screen. Here we go. It says, And they reported to Moses that we went into the land where you sent us, and indeed it is flowing with milk and honey, and here is some of its fruit. However, the people living in the land are strong, the cities are large, and they're fortified. And we also saw the descendants of Anak there, and the Amalekites were living in the land of Negev, and the Hethites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live by the sea and along the Jordan. But then Caleb quieted the people in the presence of Moses and he said, let's go up right now and take possession of the land because we can certainly conquer it. But the men who had gone up with him responded, we can't attack the people because they are stronger than we are. So they gave a negative report to the Israelites about the land that they had scouted. The land we passed through to explore is one that devours its inhabitants. And all the people we saw in it are men of great size. And we even saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim to ourselves We seem like grasshoppers, and we must have seemed the same to them. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word today. Help me to be able to preach effectively and to represent your word properly to your people so that their faith might grow and they might be able to make this transition, Lord, out of unhealthy fear into healthy fear that produces faith in their life. I know you'll do it today because your promises are yes and amen. And one of those promises say that my word will never return to me void, but shall always accomplish everything that I send it forth to do. And so it is with that promise in hand that I preach today. And I give you glory for all that will be accomplished in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me ask you today, how many of you want to be better in 24, how, how many of you want to be able to say, I am more in 24 because I was better in 03, 23? I, I do. I want to be more. I want to be everything that God has for me. But here's the deal. Some of us have to make a transition in our lives. I've been talking to you now for weeks about what I believe God is wanting us to do in the future of our church. But let me just say to you that our church will only go as far as you are strong. What we're able to accomplish will only be uh, what you produce because you together, all of you, are the church. And God has called each and every one of us. Now for some of you, you can't be effective in the corporate church 
Because you're struggling individually. You're struggling with situations in your life. And fear has its ugly hands wrapped around your neck. And this is the year that you're going to have to break that fear off. This is the year. I can't make you do it. I learned years ago as a pastor that the only tool that I have is the Word of God. Now, I say that like that's inadequate, but let me tell you that when we release and loose the Word of God into our faith system, it will change our lives forever. We used to sing a song in the church years ago that says, The Word is working mightily in me. How many of you remember that song that we sang? Am I the only one? Dear Lord, there's two people that know that song. I don't know what that says about me, but let me tell you, the truth and the message of that song is powerful. Because when the Word of God gets turned loose in your spirit, I'm telling you, you will transition out of fear into faith because you'll start believing everything that God has said is true. And the Bible says, the truth shall set you free. Do you believe that? <clears throat> and so as we go into this year, our victory and our strength will be primarily dependent upon whether or not we're, willingness, we're willing to move in to a season of great faith. I've told you this recently. I want to say it again. What God wants from you this year will require greater faith than you have ever exercised in your life. As some of you are going to take that journey with me. Some of you are going to make up your mind, I want to go where pastor's going. I want to go where God wants us to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to make the effort. I'm going to do whatever I have to do. I'm going to read the Word of God because I know the Word of God builds faith in me. From the Word comes faith. I'm going to pray. I'm not just going to pray in my understanding. I'm going to get filled with the Holy Ghost and speak in unknown tongues and have a prayer language that I can speak in that will allow things to happen in the spirit realm that can only happen in that way. I'm going higher than I've ever been before. I'm going to be tougher than I've ever been before. And everything that the enemy has tried to use against me, I'm going to turn it around in Jesus' name. Now, how many of you are ready to do the work that will be required to accomplish that? I am, because I want what God has for me. Now, here's the reality of the passage of Scripture that we read today. Here's a group of guys, 12 guys, that already have the promise that God has given he gave it to Moses, and Moses brought the promise to the people. They already knew what God was going to do. God had already said, I'm going to give you the land. I'm not going to give you a little bit of it. I'm going to give it all to you. And wherever your feet step, it's going to be yours because I am going to provide it to you. They already had the promise in hand. They already had the vision of God, and now the only thing left was would they be willing to believe in what God had said that he would do? Now, here's the truth of the matter. Many of us freak out 
when we start seeing the difficulties that are going to stand in the way of us obtaining the promise of God. And our fear prevents us from receiving the promise God has for us. So I'm going to simply ask you right now, how many of you are going to succumb to the fear of the battle? Or how many of you are going to stand in faith and let God do in you and through you what he wants? If you're like me, that's what you want. Now, there are some challenges. Because if you don't come out of that world of terror and fear, There are some things that you can expect to see in your life, and you will not be able to avoid it. I want to share four of those things with you this morning. And the first one is this. If you don't step away from your fear, you're going to be stressed by double vision. Now, how many of you ever had double vision? You know what I'm saying? Where your eyes cross, and things begin to move kind of sideways, and I've had that happen to me before, and it's not a fun thing. You can't get your bearings. You don't know whether to step this way or that way or go forward or just stop altogether because you're seeing a double vision. And that's what happened here in Numbers chapter 13. Now, I want you to notice it, verses 27 and 28. Read it with me. It says, And they reported to Moses, We went into the land where you sent us, and indeed it is flowing with milk and honey, and here is some of its fruit. Now, if you don't believe that they didn't have the promise of God, then you don't understand what this scripture is saying. They were holding in their hands the evidence of the fruit that God had promised them. They had it in their hands. All they had to do was live their lives believing that this is simply the first fruits of what God intends to do in me and through me. This this fruit that I have is a sign from God that there is far, far more that God has for me than I've ever had before. They held it in their hands. But notice the next words out of their mouths. However. That's what they said. Look, here's the evidence of God's promise. However. However, the people living in the land are strong. And the cities are large and fortified. And we also saw the descendants of Anak there. Now let me tell you this. Fear puts the but in the middle of the report. Let me say that again. Fear puts the but in the middle of the report. Now listen, it doesn't matter how great the report is, if you're going to follow it up with but or however. Because when you say but or however, what you're saying is, is that it doesn't matter how big God is. It doesn't matter how faithful God is. It doesn't matter that His promises are yes and amen because in my eyes, the but is bigger than the promise. The however is larger than what my capacity to believe is. The but's always in the middle. The however 
is what separates the promise from the reality. Now let me ask you today, how many of you have ever missed out on the manifestation of a promise of God because you could not focus on the promise because you were too afraid of what it would take to get that promise. The fear, the terror, fear puts the butt in the middle of the report. So let me just tell you, the first step you've got to take is stop making excuses. Stop trying to defend the promises of God. His promises need no defense. His promises are given out of His heart and His will for His people. We don't have to try to defend them. We don't have to try to figure out how it's going to happen. All we've got to learn how to do is say, Lord, I don't know how, I don't know when, but I know that if you said it, that's all I need to know. My faith is in your promise. And receive it. Secondly, if we're not careful and we don't abandon fear, we will have a look of lack instead of focused faith on His favor. A look of lack. Now in verses 28 and 29, the ten fearful spies suggest that the promised land has no room for them. Did you notice what they said in their report? They said, the land is full of other people. The Hittites are there. The Jebusites are there. The Amorites are there. They're all there. They've got their own little corner of the world. There's no room for us. There's nothing that can be done other than to go in there and fight them all and remove them all and take what they have. But instead of doing what God had told them to do, they just sat around and said, boy, I wish I could be blessed like them. Boy, wouldn't it be great to be a Jebusite? They're out here. They've got a beautiful piece of land. Man, look at that group of people. They're over there on the waterfront. What an awesome place to live. And all they could do was sit around and think about what everybody else had and what they didn't have. But listen, if God has said, this is what I'll give you, then instead of coveting what everyone else has and causing it, to, to, to breed fear in you rather than faith, you need to say, God, if I have to fight a battle to get what is rightfully mine in the Spirit, then I'm going to fight the battle because I know in reality it won't be me fighting anyway. It will be you fighting through me to achieve everything that God wants me to achieve. There's no room for me. A scarcity mindset happens when we focus on what we don't have. It's on the screen. A a scarcity mindset happens when we focus on what we don't have. Have you ever heard anybody said, I don't have any friends. I don't have a friend in the world. Well, the Bible says to have friends It's as simple as showing your 
ourselves friendly. You know, as a pastor, and I'm not talking so much about our church, although it's happened here. I've been pastoring a lot of years, and it's happened in every church that I've ever pastored. People just suddenly disappear. And you ask them, well, why aren't you coming anymore? Well, nobody treated me like I was their friend. No, nobody would talk to me. I, I didn't feel like I fit in there. But when you looked at the evidence, those people would come to church after church had already started, and they would leave church before church was over, and they wondered why nobody spoke to them. Now, I'm not trying to be cruel. I'm not trying to be rude, and I'm not even upset by it. I'm really not. I've learned not to worry about it. But the point is, is that if God's promise is, if you will show yourself friendly, you will have friends, then it's only fear that will prevent you from seeing that manifested in your life. Because fear will say, well, I can't go over there and talk to that person. I can't go over there and say hello to that one. I can't stay a few minutes after church. They might invite me to go to church or, or out to eat, and then I'll actually have to go. And I don't, I don't want to do that or whatever. Fear will steal your opportunity to walk in the favor that God has for you. I spoke to someone today and I said, I've noticed that you're sitting in a different spot at church. I said, it's kind of, you know, what's going on here? You said, somebody steal your seat? What happened? So well, you told us a few weeks ago that we need to make an effort to try to learn the names of other people. And we've already learned the names of the people where we were sitting. So we've moved to another side of the church so that we can learn the names of people over there. That's a cool idea. Now, I know what's going to happen next Sunday. I'm going to come in here and everybody's going to be all over the place. I'm going to, I won't know who to preach to. But just somebody who's decided that I'm going to take a proactive step to see the promises of God working in my life. And I'm going to meet people and understand and know people that I didn't know before. Because I'm taking a step. Have you heard anybody say, I'm not talented enough? I can't do that. Or, I don't understand how that works. I got my new Nintendo Switch, and I didn't know which, bush, which buttons to push. And so the girls were over at my house, and I was trying to play Mario Kart. And, and Jovi came over and took the thing from me and said, Pops, if you want to do this and if you want to do that, you push this and you push that and you do that. And I understand things now that I didn't understand before because somebody showed me. I get tickled at senior citizens sometimes who say, I've lived my whole life without that technology and I'm going to live the rest of my life without it. I don't need it. Well, you know what my answer to you is? Go back and pull your horse out of the barn and hook it up to your buggy. Sell your car. Stop using your microwave. Build you a fire out in the backyard and cook a hot dog every day. You know, we say dumb things sometimes. I don't know how to do that. And it's an excuse. 
I'll tell you what, if the Lord will help me, I'm going to go down trying to learn something new to enhance my life so that I can be more effective for Him. Did you ever hear anybody say this? I could do so much more if Christ would just heal my body. Donna and I have been watching The Chosen Season 3. I don't know if any of you have watched that or not. We've been watching Chosen Season 3. And a couple nights ago, we were watching uh, the, 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 the session where James the Little came to Jesus. And I don't know if you've seen it. I don't want to be a spoiler, but I'm going to spoil it anyway. James, the little one, comes to Jesus and he says, You know, you've told us to go out two by two and to heal the sick, to raise the dead, and to preach in your name. But Jesus, there's something I don't understand. I've seen you heal others. I've seen you do miracles in others, but I don't understand why you haven't healed me. Now, historical accounts about the life of James the Little give evidence that he was born with a paralysis in one of his legs. In the show, he is pictured as one who hobbles where he's going and has a stick in his hand, a walking stick, to keep him straight and to keep him up. And he said, I don't understand why you don't heal me. Because if my testimony of healing could be used for others, I could heal so many more. And I loved what Jesus said to him. Now we don't have any evidence at all in scripture that they had this conversation. But what Jesus said was similar to what the apostle Paul said. He said, I trust you. Little James, I trust you to be able to deal with this ailment in your body and still give praise to God the Father. And it is your testimony of grace and your testimony of who God is in you that will far outweigh any of the difficulties that you may be facing. What did Paul say? In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10, he said, Because of the extraordinary, extraordinary revelations that I had, the Lord, so that I would not exalt myself, gave a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, so that I would not exalt myself. And concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times, say three times, that it would leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. And my power is perfected in your weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weakness. So that Christ's power may reside in me. In verse 10, so I take pleasure. Say pleasure. I take pleasure in weakness and insults and hardships and persecutions and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, He is strong. How many of you have been angry at God because He didn't do what you asked Him to do? How many of you have been upset with Him because He didn't heal your body like He healed someone else? 
How many have been upset with God because He didn't give you the job that you prayed for and wanted? How many of you have been upset with God because He didn't give you the spouse that He asked for? How many of you have been upset with God because God was not playing nice with you? I have. On multiple occasions, God and I have had that conversation. But every instance I have discovered... That in my weakness, God is always made strong. And so if I can learn how to accept my weakness, if it is God's will for my life to deal with that, then He will be glorified in my weaknesses. Thirdly, our words create self-defeating prophecies. Let me say that again. Our words create self-defeating prophecies. Look at verse 31. It says, But the men who had gone up with him responded, We can't attack the people because they are stronger than we are. Look at your neighbor and say, We can't. Now hit them and say, you're wrong. No, don't hit them. You know what my mama used to say to me? She'd hear me say, I can't, can't do that. She'd say, can't, can't do nothing. If that's your mentality, there are things that God wants you to do that you'll never do because you just walk around in this self Defeating prophecy of can't. Well, I can't lose 10 pounds. I can't lose 25. I can't work that kind of job. I can't do that. Well, you know what? If that's what you say, you can't. Because you'll never try. In verse 32, they said they gave a negative report to the Israelites about the land that they had scouted. And this is what they said. The land we pass through to explore is one that devours its habitants. And all the people we saw in it are men of great size. We even saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak that come from the Nephilim. And then they said this, to ourselves... We seemed like grasshoppers, and we must have seemed the same to them. You know what grasshoppers are good for? Am I right? That's what grasshoppers are good for. And these people who had the promise, the evidence of the promise of God in their hand said we to ourselves were nothing more than grasshoppers and surely they must have believed the same thing. You know one thing that I've had to learn as a pastor is to not care about what people think about me. (laughs) Now if you want to throw something at me, go ahead. But there's only one thing that I care about, and that is being faithful to God. 
and preaching the word of God as it is given to me by the Holy Spirit. And if you can't like that, I love you, but I don't care either. Because I didn't come here to scratch your itching ears. I came here to give you a word from the Lord that will change your life if you will accept it and receive it. And if you won't receive it, and if you won't accept it, and you know what you'll eventually end up doing? You'll end up going somewhere else so that somebody can scratch your ears. And if they ever start preaching a challenging word to you, you'll get mad and leave there too. Because until you want to be challenged by the Word of God and the Spirit of God, then you're not going to receive the Word that comes from anybody. One of the things I always get tickled about, it doesn't make me mad, but I've stood in this pulpit before and said things that I felt led of the Lord to say, and people just look at me like, And the next day, T.D. Jakes gets on the internet and says the exact same thing and the exact same people say, praise God, hallelujah. Jensen Franklin comes on air and says the exact thing that I just said. And people say, man, that was a word from God. It weren't no word when Pastor Rob said it. But when Jensen said it, well, listen, here's the point. It doesn't matter who said it. If it aligns itself with the Word of God, eat it, receive it, accept it, apply it. It will change your life, and I'm not going to be mad at you. I don't have time to waste being mad at people all the time. I just don't have time for it, and you don't either. We're talking about creating self-defeating prophecies. Now, I want to ask you something. You don't have to answer me, but I want you to think about it. Do you ever get tired of hearing yourself complain? Do you ever get tired of hearing yourself disagreeing with the Word of God? Do you ever get tired of sensing something in your spirit, man, that God is saying for you to do, and you argue with God over it? Don't you get tired of it? Because you know what happens when we do that? We are creating self-defeating prophecies. How many of you know you're, you're your own worst enemy? Oh, we love to say the devil made me do it. We love to say it's the devil's fault. And on some level it may be. But can I just tell you boldly today that a lot of the junk that's going on in your life right now, today, that has you terrorized by it, it's your own doing. Because you rejected the word and the promises of God and went your own way. What is it that Fleetwood Mac used to sing? Ah, you can go your own way, baby. I can still see Stevie Nicks up on the stage spinning and singing it. 
You can go your own way, baby. God's not going to make you not go your own way. But if you don't stop speaking self-defeating prophecies, I'm just a little grasshopper. I can't make it. And if I think I'm a grasshopper, everyone else would think I am too. It's true. Because what you say will become real in your life. Lastly, we project our fear upon everyone else. Now, I don't want to get in an argument with anybody today. But we have a way of stealing people's faith away from them by projecting our fear on them. I don't think I've ever seen it as bad as when COVID struck. Because everybody had an opinion. And I don't really care what yours was. And I don't really care about what mine was. Because none of us had any information. And you know what I'm saying and what I've said for months and years around here is that in order to apply wisdom, you have to have knowledge and understanding. If you don't have knowledge and understanding, you can't apply wisdom. But we were asked to make decisions that we couldn't rightfully make because we didn't have the knowledge and the understanding of what was going on. And I dare say that many of us now would make different decisions if we had knowledge and have the knowledge that we have now that we didn't have before. I'm not going to wade any deeper into that water. But I'm just telling you, there are people all the time that make decisions out of a sense of feeling when what we need to do is focus on the will of God for that particular thing in our life. Listen, they projected their fear on everyone else. Twelve spies, two of them said, let's do it. Man, if God said it, let's do it. We can do it right now. Let's do it in Jesus' name. Let's go take the land and take what God has for us. But out of the twelve, how many operated in fear? Ten. I know that because twelve... Minus two is ten. See, I had knowledge. I have understanding of that, so I can speak with wisdom. Ten people. Have you ever noticed in your life that there are usually more negative spies in your life than there are positive, faith-filled people? It's true. Did you know that the Christian church will always be in the minority. Some of you are waiting for this great revival in the last place to take in the last days to take place and all of a sudden that the Christians are going to be in the majority ain't going to happen. We're always going to be in the minority. Always. If you take numbers. But we will always be in the majority if you consider the power of the Spirit of God that lives within us. So we may be fewer in number, but we're greater in power. Now let me tell you something. As we move forward as a church and as you move forward this year, 
You will have to take a step away from fear and into faith. You've got to change categories. Come help me quit musicians so I can get out of here while I'm still alive and everybody else is. <clears throat> when you throw a pity party, you miss out on everything God wants to give you in the promised land. And you will affect everyone else around you. Pity party patty. Every church has some. Doubting Dan. And of course there's always miserable Mary. In every church. I don't care. If you went to another church next week, they go to that church too. They just have different faces. So what do I do? I choose. Am I going to be one of those self-defeating prophets of doom? Or am I going to say whatever God promised, I believe He'll do. And He'll do it through me. I'm going to be like Joshua and Caleb and say, I'm going to hold on to the promise of God. And you know what? Many years later, they didn't come into the promise because of the ten spies, but many years later, Joshua and Caleb were the only two that saw the fulfillment of God's promise in their lives. So let me just tell you, God can bless you even if everybody else around you is nay-saying, negative, self-defeating, tearing you down. It'll never work. It'll never happen. I don't know why you're still holding on to that promise of God. You've been believing in it for years and years and it hadn't happened yet. What do you mean Jesus is coming again? I've been alive all my life. I've heard preachers I don't know how many times tell me that Jesus is coming again and he hadn't come yet. Why don't you let it go, baby? Because I don't live by my feelings. I live, man, I like having that little shelf down there. That is good. All kinds of stuff out of there. And there'll be even more next week. You just watch and see. I don't live by my feelings. I live by faith in what the Word of God says. And the Word of God says, Oh, if I go away, I will come again and receive you unto myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. The Word says that He's going to step out with the trump of God. He's going to come. Every grave is going to break open. And Jesus is coming again. So I'm not living by my feelings. I'm living by faith in the Word of God. What God says, I agree with. I may not agree with you, but if God said it, I believe it. That's all I got. That's all I got. So here, here's the thing. What are you going to do in 23? Are you going to be a better me? Are you going to be the same old soul that you've always been? It's going from day to day, hour to hour, minute to minute. Oh, God, help me. I hate that old song that we used to sing years ago. I never sang it. I'd stand there with my hands in my pockets and refuse to sing it. 
It's me again, Lord. I hate it. Why? Because I don't have to approach God the Father that way. He's my Abba. He's my Father. He said, come boldly into the throne of grace that you might obtain grace and find mercy to help in the time of need. I don't have to wiggle my way in and take me again, Lord. I know you're disappointed in me. I know that I've surely done something wrong. I don't, I don't know. I don't even know how I can come to you and say your name with a smile on my face. No, no, no. I don't have that kind of fear in my life. God does not terrorize me. I respect Him. I revere Him. And I can approach Him in faith. So this year, as you're asked, to take your place in the body of Christ. Will you respond? Will you get out of your comfort zone and do things that you've never done before? Will you give financially like you've never given before? I'll tell you something. When my wife and I started tithing years ago, it wasn't too hard to write a tithe check for 10 bucks. I didn't make any money. I didn't make much of anything at all. But when you're making the kind of money that many of you are making today, it becomes a whole lot more difficult to write those checks, to be in obedience to the tithe principle of Scripture than it did when you were making 100 bucks a week. But you know what? God just pours on the blessings. He just opens up another window. He's, I've already poured as many blessings out this window as I can, so I better move over here and open up another window. Because I promised that individual that if they'd bring all the tithe into the storehouse and test me in this principle and see if I will not be willing to pour out blessings upon them that they can't even contain. Will you be willing to forgive that person that you hate? I'm a Christian. I don't hate nobody. Yes, you do. You do. You can't think about them without getting aggravated and frustrated and saying, I don't ever want to talk to them again in my life. Can I just be honest with you today? There's a lot of things that we say we don't do that we do, but we just don't want to own up to it. 23 is the year for me. I'm not playing those games anymore. I'm going to get over it. I'm going to go to that person and say, I know that you have a fence and I've come to make things right so that our relationship can be healed. I don't want to do that, Pastor. Well, then just stay in your fear. Just stay in it. I ought to go away for a few more days. I'm feeling pretty strong today. I'm not trying to be angry with anybody or, or mad at anybody. I'm just telling you that the only way you're going to move out of fear is to move. Move from that neighborhood into the neighborhood of faith. Stand with me if you will. Now on this morning, if you don't mind, I'd like for everybody to gather down front with me if you will. We're going to pray for each other today.